When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. Oh, let's go. It's OU Texas Week. It's the game plan live. Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank. I texted Toby last night, not knowing that you weren't watching the game. Right. And I said, I miss... Rain I delay. miss weather delays. <laughs> Which no one has ever said in the history of No one has ever said, except for yeah. two guys who enjoy having to kill a rain delay, so to speak. <laughs> it's an art form. And, and the funny part is you had no idea what I was texting you about. Uh-uh. You always get nervous when you send something like that and they, you don't hear back for a while. Then you're like, huh, maybe he doesn't like the weather delays. <laughs> <laughs> or was it a volleyball match <laughs> or volleyball tryouts? And... Uh, I saw your text and I thought, what, what is in the world is he talking What's about? He talking? And then probably a stray volleyball hit me in the head and I forgot to reply. So. <laughs> well, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Every Tuesday we do this live during the football season where we recap the weekend that was and we dive into the week ahead. Though maybe more week than any other on the schedule, it's about what's ahead because Toby's OU Texas. It's That's one right. of the great events, not just in college sports, but in sports in general. 117th edition of the Red River Showdown coming up Saturday at 11 a.m. and uh, there is always a bunch of storylines but uh, you've got an undefeated football team this year and you've got a brand new head coach south of the Red River so it feels like maybe there's you know what and you also have Chris the fact that a whole bunch of people didn't get to go to this game last year. That is true. So uh, there is a, a bunch of excitement. I think Texas is excited that their team's playing pretty well since they changed quarterbacks. They're excited about their new head coach, so they're going to be raring to go. Oklahoma's fans, I think, are excited that they're undefeated. Sometimes it's a little hard to tell, but uh, you know they're going to be raring to go too. So it'll be electric like it always is. ESPN Game Day is going to be down there. Corny Dog Stand's going to be open up, and uh, we're going to have fun. You know, last year it got loud. It did. For- Everybody made their way down to the field. Yeah, that's one thing that you're never, hopefully, we mm-hmm. never have to worry about again is, is partial capacity. But I'll never forget that as long as I live, watching the fans that would try to go from one end zone to the other in overtime when it would shift sides. Yeah. And seeing Joe C. and Zach Selman <laughs> kind of standing there against a mob of fans that are running down. They're getting security. It's like, you got to go back over here. It was an, it was an incredible scene, an surreal. incredible game. Yeah. Did you see those numbers Jacob Potter sent us this week? About first-time first coaches? First-time coaches, first-time quarterbacks. It is interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, I'll have to kind of dive into it to see what it means. I, I thought the records were better than I would have guessed. I did too. As to how first-time quarterbacks have done in this game. It feels like in the last 20 years or so, it's been a real struggle for first-time. Now, Spencer Rattler won last year mm-hmm. as a first-time quarterback in this game. But over the course of the history of the series, the, the numbers were better than I would have thought. Texas quarterbacks making their debut start in an OU Texas game. 19, 22, and 2, which, again, was better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Surprisingly, 
surprisingly, Texas head coaches in their debut, uh, 15, 7, and 2. And they come in this Texas with a familiar last name and quarterback in Casey Thompson, who will do something on Saturday that his father Charles never did. He'll start an OU Texas game. Yeah, it's amazing. And Charles made some big plays against the Longhorns, but didn't get the start. Boy, Casey's playing some good football. He was really good for them in the bowl game last year. Didn't win the starting job to start the season. That went to Hudson Card. Card got pulled in the Arkansas game, and it's been Casey Thompson ever since. Didn't throw the ball particularly well against TCU, but you look at those season numbers, that's good. 71% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, three picks, and he offers a scrambling element or the ability to just hurt you with his feet. Zone read right here, pulls it, runs. He's got athleticism. He's a big guy. He can see over a defensive line. So he'll present a challenge. It'll be very interesting to see. I'm sure this is uh, an emotional week for him in a lot of different ways because of the family ties, because of it being his first OU Texas game. But uh, he'll be a focal point, as will this guy. Ew. What do you think about B. John How Robinson? How good is B. John Robinson? Um, you know, we were, Gabe Eichert and I were debating about the best running backs in the Big 12. And you start looking about this a league. Good conference. Brees Hall, Letty Brown. What, Oklahoma State found a guy? Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren that we haven't talked about. You got Zach Evans at TCU. Obviously, the Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray's at Oklahoma. But, boy, B. John Robinson, it's hard to top what he's done. And, you know, it's kind of shocking to think about how little he was used last year. And something that might have been a reason why yep. the administrators in Texas thought, okay, let's start something new. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a five-star savior kind of recruit like B. John Robinson. You're being compared to the Cedric Vincents, Ricky Williams of the world. You're supposed to be a rock star from day one. And it wasn't an easy first year for him, but man, T. Rowe, he looks like he is absolutely excelling in Steve Sarkeesian's office. Yeah, he catches the ball well out of the backfield, like you see here. He's got good size, six foot. He's got good power. He's got good speed. He's shifty enough. Um, able to shed tackles, able to run away from people. He's kind of the perfect combination of what you want in a running back. Look at that. A guy hits him, he just spins off of him. So I would imagine Bijan Robinson will touch the ball 30 plus times on Saturday. That is kind of the norm for him this year, whether it's on the ground or through the air. So obviously, obviously, if you're Alex Grinch, your defensive game planning starts with that guy, with number five. How do we slow him down and make Casey Thompson beat us with his arm. Now, that's a gamble because Casey Thompson's been a good passer so far, and they've got some really nice weapons at wide receiver. The other freshman, Xavier Worthy, for them is having a fantastic year. He's a deep threat. Whittington is a very good player. Joshua Moore's a good player. So they can throw and catch it. They got a good tight end, a brewer. But I think if you're going to take something away, or at least try to, you've got to start with trying to take away B. John Robinson. The overall numbers, very similar. Texas averaging a couple more points per game than the Sooners are. Oklahoma, conversely, allowing a few fewer points. Did I say that right? I can just say fewer points, right? Instead That's of right. a few yeah. fewer. 30, uh, 43.8 points per game for Texas's offense. The 24.8 that they allow. 38.4 It's odd graphic. Game. Yeah. That's that's opposite of what we've seen the last few years. Between when you these say teams. odd graphic, you're not talking about the hard work that Craig Moran put into that. The graphic is right? fantastic graphic, but the numbers are odd because you feel like they put them on the wrong side. You right. Know? Right. If you, if you, uh, you know, went on a trip around the world and came back, you say, wait a second, they got this wrong because Oklahoma's been the team that has scored more points, allowed more points, put up more yards, all that kind of stuff. Texas, it's been a bit of a grind offensively. They play the slower-paced game with Ellinger the last few years. Not this year. Uh, Texas has been the higher-scoring team. They've given up more points a game. and So a little bit opposite roles going into this one. Looking back at Kansas State, what a performance by Spencer Rattler. Yeah, limited, he, was, he was special. Limited possessions again in the first half, but he looked really good. Did a, did a nice job of taking what the defense gave him, but then in the same vein, showing off this, a little scrambling from seven. We still got to work on the slide. Well, he still got better. Th Second yeah. half, I, don't, I think at halftime they went and did some sliding practice because he had a couple of really nice slides in the uh, in the second. There's one right there. Look there at that. There you go. 
That was second quarter, actually. I should give him credit. No, he played his best game of the year. One of the best games of his career. 22 of 25 <laughs> passing. Uh, it looked like they revamped the offense a little bit to try to get him on the perimeter more. That's he is right. obviously more comfortable throwing on the run, in my opinion, of being out in space right now anyway until he starts to trust that pocket a little bit more. He, he was excellent. And really, I mean, you look at his numbers all year, he's at 76% completion percentage on the year, which is a stupid number. We're five games in. <laughs> so the big play still hasn't been there for this team. Had a 40-plus yard pass to Mims on Saturday. Kennedy Brooks broke off of about a 28-yard run. We haven't seen the bombs, the 70, 80-yard plays that we're used to in the past, but efficiency. And maybe that's just the way this offense is going to roll this year. Maybe that's just the way this offense is built. That being said, this is the game where we see big plays. OU Texas every year, both ways. Offense, special teams, pick sixes, fumble returns. We see big plays in OU Texas. I would expect that'll happen again. So we were having this debate this morning. Do you expect Texas to emulate what West Virginia did and what Kansas no. State did? I say no. I think no. they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to play up tempo. I don't think Texas looks at Oklahoma's game film and says, "All right, we're going to adjust what we do to be more like Kansas State." Right. I think Texas says, "We got a good offense. We're a high-powered offense. We're going to do what we do." So I I would be surprised if this is in a game where we see significantly more possessions than the eight Oklahoma's averaged the last three weeks. I think we'll see, you know, more back and forth, more punts, more. It'll be a higher paced game would be my anticipation. Yeah, me too. I think that and I think that's going to make it fun. Um, with that in mind, the offensive line is something that I feel like we're talking about more because it hasn't been up to par and also because we got Gay Biker there that can <laughs> – he can nitpick away and you really learn a lot. Where's your concern level right now on that left side of the offensive line? Well, I'm not an expert on this subject. Neither, neither am I. But they were better. I think just in general, you're encouraged by what you saw out of the Oklahoma offense on Saturday. Across the board, offensive line included, run game, Spencer, Marvin Mims inclusion, the way that they got the H-backs involved. Jeremiah Hall was, was very good. And just specifically as it goes to the offensive line, they got too many penalties. But there were some penalties of aggression that were mixed in there. Sure. And it did look like they were certainly having more success in the running game. So a finished product, certainly not. Encouraged, yes. I think that I'm encouraged by what I saw on Saturday. I'm, I'm very excited to, to continue to see the growth of Andrew Rain, right? Of course. Yeah. How often have we talked about centers? We, we don't, but we're learning about him because, A, we got a great expert who was a two-time captain and a Warfel Trophy winner with us, and, B, we realize how important it is to Lincoln Rally's offense and Bill Beanbow's scheme. Well, we've got an unbelievable uh, lineage yeah. of centers yes. over the past two decades at the University of Oklahoma, Creed being the most recent, you know, back to Vince Carter and Gabe and Ty, on and on and on. There have been great centers at OU. Uh, Andrew Rame is young, made some mistakes along the way, but I think he's going to be fabulous. Uh, there is some exciting things there already from that young man. He's going to have his work cut out for him this week because uh, there's a nose tackle at Texas that goes about 6'5 and 1,000 pounds that they're going to put across from him, and he's going to have to you know, try to move that mountain. But uh, he's going to be fine. I think Andrew Rame's going to be fine. You know, uh, it's been a minute since Kennedy Brooks has played in OU Texas. We think about the 19 game when he played, and what do we think about? We think about CeeDee Lamb and the day that he had. He carried the ball, I think, 19 times over 100 yards. He had a good last game. time out. He had a really good game. We're going to talk to him in our pregame show on Saturday. But, you know, I this was vintage Kennedy Brooks on Saturday, and you have to give credit to what the offensive line did. They did a really nice job opening things up for him. He got going downhill. You can see on that run, that was his best run of the day, breaking tackles. He he uh, he does that. He churns those legs, and he's hard for the first guy to bring down. You don't think of Kennedy as being shifty. I don't, I don't right. think of no. him as being shifty. But he's really good at running through trash, as I like to call it. You know, those arm tackles or guys try to get you with a shoulder. you got to hit Kennedy pretty good to get mm -hmm. him to the ground. So tough running. He got going downhill with some of those zone schemes. I like the one-two punch they've got. I, I I'm too. not here for the arguing of who should be on the field. <laughs> They're two different backs. And I think that 
it's great to have both of them because they, they each bring something unique to the field. Eric Gray is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield in addition to being a shifty ball carrier. There's your shiftiness right there. Good change of pace. Kennedy is a pure ball carrier with a significantly more power, I think, when he gets going. So, I mean, you can that's a silly argument as far as I'm concerned. I'm with You've you. got two I'm good running you. backs. Let's not argue right. over. Let's just accept the fact that they got two good running backs. There's only a handful of if every down back is even a thing, number one guys in the NFL right now, right? There's Derrick Henry. I mean, I guess you could say Josh Jacobs when he's healthy. Oklahoma but, hasn't done that since Adrian Peterson was thank here. Thank you. And yeah. I don't understand why people get so mad about it. P. Like Ryan and Mixon played together. Yes. And we had Sermon and Kennedy. And then you had Rodney Anderson in the mix. <laughs> P. Ryan and, and Mixon are still playing together. That's right. As a matter yeah. of fact. And still doing the same thing they and did And I like the, the wrinkle. I mean, we had seen it before. But they went a lot more what I call power pistol on Saturday, which is a pistol formation with the H back on one side of the quarterback or the other. It's not quite the diamond formation, but they've got, they got the pistol with a lead blocker, basically. We hadn't seen that yet this year. They ran that a lot on Saturday. Yep. And they also ran split backs a lot more with an H back in the backfield. And they were able to do some creative things off that. One of the things they were able to do was get the ball to Jeremiah Hall quite a bit. They handed him the ball for a touchdown, threw it to him a couple of times. We saw Braden Willis more involved in the passing game. He had four catches. So I thought there was uh, a lot of creativity in Lincoln Riley's game plan against Kansas State, and it looked like they found some things. They found some things that they can hopefully build on this week for Texas. My favorite thing about road games is I there's a lot more time that I get to actually sit and watch the game as, if you will, a fan. And then there's Jake also there's, down there cheering. Yeah, I know. By the way, that was my brush with a celebrity on Saturday. He came <laughs> by. He went up and said, hey, to you, former senior yeah. pitcher, current Washington National, Jake Irvin was in Manhattan cheering away on the sidelines. Looks like a Hollywood star when he's yeah. walking around with his hair and his glasses. But I, it, it, it's nice because I felt like, you know, obviously looming behind the benches, always trying to find the storylines. But you know, I, I only bring that up for one reason. I love the energy from start to finish, even when things got dicey, right? When things got dicey, no one was panicking. No one was freaking out. Everyone was just grinding away. The adjustments that needed to be made because of some of the different things and different looks that Kansas State was giving both offensively and defensively. There wasn't any freak-out moment. I mean, and the, the leader of the whole thing was seven. Boy, look at this block, by the way, from Braden Willis. You mentioned Braden Willis. Do you know how many OU Texas games he's played in? He's entering his fourth season. This be his fifth? His first. Really? All right, he's played in one. So he had one catch in 19. He was hurt last year. Oh, okay. He, was, uh, he wasn't playing yet in 18. He might have been dinged up in 18, too. So this will only be the games? second time wow. that Braden Willis will play in an OU Texas game. So I'm, I'm excited for him. You know, we kind of came in hot right off the top. We just started talking about OU Texas. So since we're not technically live on Facebook, but we appreciate all the very hard work that our producer, Craig Moran, our directors have done. Uh, we are live on .TV, though, so that matters. Um, Lincoln Riley's presser. Any major takeaway from the notes that you've prepared for the Sooner Sports Talk Show live from Rudy's tonight that caught your eye? Uh, he said they didn't tackle well in Manhattan. It kind of confirms what uh, Teddy and Gabe had said, kind of their analysis uh, after the game. You could tell he's frustrated with this string of limited possessions. Yeah, and could sense that. You know, I, I did a little research yesterday on uh, punts. OU has punted eight times in five games. Just a cra it's the lowest in the nation among Power 5 teams. Poor Michael Turk. Right. You know, Boy, he, he he's punched, running though. out there during commercial breaks the other day trying to practice taking snaps and stuff. <laughs> but if you compare that to, let's just say Pitt. I, I pulled Pitt because they're the leading scoring team in the country. They're averaging 52 points a game. So... If you're going to get to 52 points a game, you're going to, you would think, not punt a lot because you're scoring so much. They've got 19 punts. Oklahoma State, also 5-0, has punted 32 times this year. Wow. OU's punted eight. And I think what that speaks to is the low number of possessions. It's not like their offense is churning, at least not to the point we've seen in the past. They just, they play the games with a lot of low possessions. And now part of that is Oklahoma's fault. Because their defense isn't getting the other team off the field right. on third and fourth downs, which has been a you know a frustration of Lincoln Riley's. You, you can tell 
He's like, come on, let's go. We want to get in a rhythm. <laughs> like, they got the ball for the third time Saturday with a minute and a half to go in the half. Wow. And that's, that's got to be kill- – it's killing me, and I'm not calling plays. So, <laughs> you could tell Lincoln's going crazy, and I think he's very much looking forward to hopefully getting into a game where it's a little more uh, upbeat. He was asked about the weirdness of last year's game. It was odd because of the lack of fans. Teddy loved it. It was odd because of the, the fair, the, the buses just pulled up and dropped guys <laughs> off at the locker room, and there's no crowd to go through or to fight. Nobody's flipping you off on the way in or anything. And then the game plays itself out, and it, it's an odd football game that ends up going four overtimes and offering up one of the epic finishes uh, in the history of the, of the rivalry. Um, so, and, you know, I thought he had some interesting things to say about how they will go about trying to defend Bijan Robinson. I mean, you got a guy here who probably is going to carry it or touch it 30-plus times. You don't see that Mm-mm. in college football these days. I mean, that's, that harkens back to the Earl Campbell days. I, I don't know that Adrian Peterson had a lot of games where he carried it 30-plus times. So uh, how do you go about game planning for a guy like that? But all in all, I, if you watch Steve Sarkeesian's press conference yesterday and you watch Lincoln Riley's press conference today, you saw two head coaches who are very excited about the week ahead. Reggie Grimes forcing the fumble. All right. Um, Nick Benito, please, somebody take this football. I think he was trying to hand it to mm-hmm. Billy Bowman at some point. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me, because it's kind of something I keep an eye on quite a bit, is the injury side of things. You know, he said they expect to get some of those defensive guys back. The Laren Turner yell, Jeremiah Crudell, Jalen Redmond, all not on the trip this week. And all three guys that, I guess you could say, pretty critical to the Oklahoma Sooner well, I think with Delaire and Turner Who did Yell, you mention? Uh, Delaire and Turner Yell, uh-huh. Jeremiah Crudell, and Jalen Redman. I'd add Danny Stutzman. Oh, and Danny Stutzman, yeah. too. Thank you. Stutzman wasn't there either. The only reason I didn't include Stutzman is because I kind of dig sideline Stutzman with his shades and his sleeves cut off. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a good chance he could be back this weekend. Um, but, uh, again, Lincoln didn't offer specifics on anyone. So, we'll... We'll be out there with our... I wouldn't hold your breath for specifics until know, Saturday. Right? We'll be yeah. out there with our spotter charts and communicating with you up in the booth. Andrew Shepard is already don't. in the booth <laughs> with his binoculars on. He'll be all over it for us. Yeah, and, and I had someone ask about Theo Wee's, Um He was in a booth. Uh, actually, he was in a cast, excuse me. I, I don't know where that is right now or when he's due back, but I know they're excited about the potential to get yeah, Theo Wees to put nice. him in this Another office. Another weapon. What would you say? 117th meeting. Wow. Our first one together was 2011. That's right. Great game that day. And, of course, last year was four overtimes. So here's the final thought. Looked at the temperature, looked at the weather for this weekend. Mid-90s. Not a fall-like day down in Dallas. It's going to be steamy on the floor of the Cotton Bowl. Hydration, hydration, hydration is the key. You you got sunscreen? I'm going to burn. I'm letting this be my, my winter tan that I'm going to get Electrolytes. On Make sure you consume plenty of electrolytes on Friday. Um, so for those of us, uh, those of you who joined us here on the podcast side of things, stick around. Lincoln Riley is coming up right now. Thank you, Chris. Good to see everybody. Uh, great week. Week we always look forward to every single year. Excited that it's here. Uh, excited that we uh, get, get to uh, get back to the Cotton Bowl with a, a more normal atmosphere. Certainly Missed that and the uh, the epic uh, epic kind of clash last year, and so uh, uh, you know we say it every year, but I, I think it can't go underappreciated. You know, one of the best parts of this job is getting to, to coach, play, compete in this game. Uh, no, no question about it. It's uh, it's I think one that any time you're a player and you decide to come to Oklahoma or you're a staff member and you're lucky enough to get a chance to come work here, it's one of the first things that cross your mind. It was one of when when Bob hired me. Seven years ago now, it was one of the very first things when he called me and told me he was going to offer me the job. I remember it being one of the very first things that crossed my mind, you know, as I get to coach in this game. And uh, so don't take it for granted ever. You know, we've had um, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of great games over the years, but certainly one I, I don't ever take for granted because you, you realize how special it is each and every year. And I'm sure this one will be no different. So I'm uh, excited to get down there and compete against a, a good Texas football team, very good team. Uh, that's that's playing very well right now, and uh, excited about our guys, our preparation, our climb, where we're headed, and uh, we'll look forward to having a great week, getting down to Dallas and kicking it off. Okay, we'll start with Eric Bailey. 
Lincoln, I wanted to ask you about Casey Thompson, just your relationship with him over the years, uh, and uh, just how impressed are you that he's been able to really take advantage of opportunities he's had he's had of late. Yeah, Casey's done a you know a great job. Uh, obviously, we we know that family very well. Um, you know their history here, their history in this area. Um, knew Casey pretty well going up through high school. Had a great relationship. Really, really, um, really enjoyed the kid. Um, really fun getting to know him, his dad, his brother. Uh, just great people. So, you know, listen, it's our rivals. Um, so, you know, you never wish too much good upon them, uh, but. It's, it has been fun for me to see Casey do well. It really has. I mean, it's no surprise. I think he, you know, made the most of his opportunity last year in the bowl game, played very well, and obviously, um, you know, here from, I think, game three on uh, for them has, has, has played at a high level, done some really good things, moving around, throwing the ball well like he does. And uh, so it's, you know, I, I don't wish him success on Saturday. Obviously, we're going to get out there and compete against each other, but I, I do. I am happy for him. I'm glad that he's having success, and I'm, I'm not surprised. Ryan Abram. Yeah, Lincoln, your your defense has forced uh, quite a bit more fumbles than it did a year ago, recovered quite a bit more fumbles than it did a year ago. Is there something specific uh, that you can point out behind that, uh, either side of it, that y'all are doing better than last year? Yeah, that's, you know, it was definitely a point of emphasis. You know, we got we got so many picks last year, you know, especially in the back half of the season. You know, we, we, we want that number to increase a little bit. Um, but but fumbles, I, I, are we emphasizing something new? I, I don't know that I would say that. Just continue to emphasize opportunities for guys to, to make those plays. And again, for us, it always kind of, the, the forcing fumbles is a thing where you got to be careful because then you'll start missing tackles. And uh, so we're learning when we can do it, uh, you know, when ball carriers are already wrapped up, when we can be physical, learning different techniques to get it out. And we've done a good job being aware and getting on the football. So uh, hopefully we can keep doing that. I had a, I had a couple in this one last year that are always big. And, and as, as turnovers always seem to be a big part of the story in this game. Do you feel good about the balance there between tackling and, you know, going after those? Yeah, I do. I don't think. Um, We've honestly, I think, felt like tackled pretty well this season up until last Saturday. You know, Manhattan, we didn't, we did not tackle as well as we needed to, especially in the open field. And so, but I wouldn't attribute those missed tackles to um, guys trying to strip the ball. I think we at times didn't leverage the ball correctly. Uh, at times, were too hesitant in the open field. Um, you know, gave them up, gave up a little too much space and coverage. I mean, there's a number of things that lead up to it, but we know we're going to have to tackle better. We've talked a lot about the limited number of possessions you guys have had. Um, how do you counter that on the defensive side in terms of getting off the field, and especially when you're playing a running back like Bijan? Yeah, I got to play better earlier in the earlier in the series. I mean, I, you know, and, and we've we've had a number of times where we've got opponents down two third downs early in the series, and you got you got to capitalize on those, especially early in the game. I think it's so important as far as uh, as far as setting a tone that way, you know, and as We've done so many good things defensively this year, but we haven't played our best early. And so um, now it's a big point of emphasis for us. And yeah, it'll be important. I mean, they obviously, you know, Texas does a very nice job offensively. Bijan's a tremendous player. And uh, so when you get opportunities to, to get them off the field, to put them in those third down situations, us converting those will be important. And obviously, the sooner we can do that, the better it is for, you know, more possessions offensively, the better it is for field position. Uh, you know, a lot of times if you do that then, We've had a lot of third down stops, but they've been in plus territory, and then you've got to stop a third down and a fourth down. And it's just against good offenses, you know, you just you put yourself behind the eight ball there. So um, it's a big point, and obviously it'll have a big impact on the game if we can do that at a higher level, which we believe we can. I can kind of to go along with that. I think you guys have, have faced more fourth downs on defense than any team in the country. What kind of impact has that had on your defense, having to face so many teams going for it? Um, and hopefully it's just for us, it's the gaining more and more an appreciation for playing uh, better early uh, in the downs. Now we have, I, I have on the flip side of it, we've been put in some challenging positions. We've had to stop teams a number of times in the plus side of the field and we've, we've done it more than we haven't. And so that's been a, a huge positive. The negative is, like you said, you don't want to put yourself in that position as much. So you know, I think as we go forward, if we can clean up a few things early in drives, then 
Uh, I see no reason why we cannot get off the field more um, and with, with opponents backed up, which will obviously be better for us as a football team. But we got to keep the same resolve. You got to be, it's a double edged sword because if you, you know, if you get too disappointed that you didn't stop them on the first, you know, right there at the beginning of the drive, then mentally you're not ready to maybe make that key red zone stop or force them to a field goal or make that stop at midfield where they got to punt to you or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, we want to be better, but, but you know, we got to keep swinging. And that's the one thing we have done is we've continued to swing. Lincoln, we're five games in. A lot of your freshmen have already reached that four-game that four game limit. Has that rule been what you thought it would be? And if you're recruiting at the level that you want to, does it matter as much because you want those guys to be out? Those are guys that don't want to stay you know, that, that fourth and fifth year they want to get out there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you, you want guys that, that want to come compete. Uh, but at the same time, We've talked to our team a lot about this. You get, you have to be patient. You know, everybody's paths are different. I mean, we, I mean, like you think about our team, you think about some of our more experienced or more prominent players, however you want to define it. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Jeremiah Hall, Spencer Rattler, I mean, Tyrese, Marquise Hayes. I mean, I can go on on down the list, guys that didn't play much as freshmen or at all. And a lot of them, a lot of them, few did, but a lot of them didn't play much as redshirt freshmen either. And uh, so, Everybody's path is different, and your opportunity comes at different times. And so, you know, we want guys that want to do it, but at the same time, a lot of times the guys that are patient and hang in there uh, and continue to work and don't get focused on the circumstances and just stay focused on improving as a player, they find themselves and they and they're ready when that opportunity comes. And those are some pretty good, you know, pretty good examples of that. Um, as far as the four game, it's. I don't think it's as big of an impact right now because of the COVID year. Um, that I think it would have been a bigger impact and maybe more of a conversation right now had COVID not happened. Um, you know, now that everybody that played college football last year has that COVID year, it's it's a little bit different. Obviously, if you're a true freshman that came in, still part of it, but. Um, I think that has changed a little bit, uh, but yeah, we'll continue to, to watch it. Uh, but uh, kind of like we've always been, if we feel like there's a player that can help this team, then um, we're going to play them. Are you able to put into words maybe even a 30,000 foot view uh, of what Texas looks like this year compared to what they looked like under the previous coach? Uh, you know, I don't know if they change their head coach, they change their coordinators, change their coaching staff, change their quarterback. Yeah. Um, they just look different, and maybe they've changed their attitude. Some is that does that show up? And it's it's so hard year to year. I mean, I think you know to come in here and you know say that it's way better or way worse or anything in between. I just one I don't know what I gain and even attempting that. I'm not in their locker room. I'm I'm not that. I mean, this is a good Texas football team. You know, we've played a lot of good Texas football teams over the years. Um, so I don't. No disrespect to this team right now, not any disrespect to the teams that we've played over the last several years. I mean, it's this game's always been a battle. They've obviously had some tremendous teams, some tremendous players. Um, you know, this year's group's doing a, a really nice job. Um, I think they've improved as you've watched them throughout the year. They've obviously got some really good talent, which they they typically do, and some guys that really show up on tape that we're gonna have to do a great job against. So I, I think I'd leave it at that. Tipping your hat a little bit, tipping your hand a little bit to elucidate some of the differences kind of um, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some, listen, there's some small schematic differences. I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's new coordinators. I mean, you expected that, but are they just totally different offensively from what they've been in the past? Not, not totally. There's obviously differences, and I would say the same thing defensively. It's not like they went from the air raid to the triple option, or you know, I mean, it's, it's not drastic. There's small things you can tell that they favor more in their schemes, um, and uh, so I mean, I think it, it, it feels. I, I, I mean, with this game, again, it's we all know you can throw records, you can throw everything out the door. I mean, it's, it's about this Saturday at 11 o'clock and really nothing else. You know, both teams are going to be hungry and excited to play. It's going to be a great atmosphere, and typically you, you see both teams best on this day. Lincoln Kennedy talked a lot about the first couple games of feeling like he needed to improve his pass protection. Have you seen that go up recently? And does that, that allowed you, like even maybe last week, to play him in some spots you haven't been able to play in earlier in the season? 
Yeah, no, he did. I mean, really, both our guys did, and they've, they've certainly done better um, as it's went on. And they're both very capable. Um, just, you know, had a couple of one-on-one -on -one situations early in the season where we were, were poor, you know, and those are two experienced guys, he and Eric, that, that understand our schemes that, you know, 99% of the time are going to be in the right place, but you still got to go execute. And uh, they were on some big plays early, early in the season that really hurt us. So certainly we're better the other day, and that's going to be important. I mean, it's, uh, you're going to play in our offense as a back. You got to be able to do it all and protecting the passers up there because typically when you're protecting, it's a pretty important play. And uh, so they've done, a, they've done a much better job. Um, we've got a lot of confidence, confidence in those guys to be able to do it, and uh, it certainly helped us last week. that it'll be good to get back to a more normal scene for this game. I'm wondering, as you think about last year, are there parts of the weirdness that stand out in your mind's eye from that game a year ago? Yeah, I mean, the you know, the ride in and obviously the atmosphere and all that was totally different. You know, both teams were in a weird place last year. I think, you know, we were both down a lot of people. Um, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a shell of ourselves, both teams. Um, so everything about it felt different until we kicked off. And then when we kicked off, it was like all the others. I mean, both teams left it all out there. Um, you know, the different momentum swings that you typically see in this game were, were obviously present. Um, it was a nice, warm, muggy day in Dallas like we always seem to get. And I, I see we have another one coming, which will be which is good. It'll be... Uh, it's a heavy hitter, man. It was, yeah, it was, it was different until it got kicked off, and then from kickoff until, uh, until the, the interception had ended it, it was, it was, it felt completely normal to me. Do you remember noticing the reduced capacity? I mean, that was universal last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you noticed it pregame. I mean, you noticed just the difference in, like, like I said, driving into the stadium, all that. But once it kicked off, it got pretty rowdy, and then you know, certainly there at the end, it was. I don't remember what the capacity was, but it was. It was, it got rocking in there pretty good. Lincoln, about Bijan, <clears throat> so I wonder if I could get you to drill down a little bit on what makes him so unique yeah. and what you've seen from him. And also, you've, when you prepare, prepared for Texas run game the last several years, it's centered on Sam and what he was doing mm -hmm. out of the quarterback position. Is this a, less of a headache having to deal with a you know, setback or running back as opposed to a quarterback run game or just a different kind of one? Yeah, no, Bijan's a, a terrific player. I mean, he's, you know, you, you watch him play, and he just he does so many things well. Um, you know, catches the ball well for him. Um, he's got big playability, but he's got um, really nice balance, acceleration, uh, good feel for the schemes that they're running. So, I mean, I think he's a he's a complete player, and uh, he's he's certainly playing at a high level. And he's getting, you know, they're obviously putting it in his hands a lot, and he's produced. Um, yeah, schematically, obviously, it is a little different. I mean, in some ways, it's. You know, when you, when you run the quarterback, you add an extra hat. You know, and so if you just draw up X's and O's on the on the board, um, there's some things that that you feel like maybe you have a chance to to be in a better spot numbers game wise. Uh, but you know, the X that they're handing it to is pretty good. You know, and so I uh, both very challenging uh, in different ways. Uh, you know, just kind of constantly having the ability to get outnumbered by by Ellinger in the run game over the years was is I think been difficult for everybody just because of how physical and relentless a runner he was. Um, and then obviously, you know, you've got to, you got to rally and try to get this guy on the ground as, as quickly and as much as possible. Um, so different challenges, but both unique and both, uh, you know, we've got to rise up defensively um, and, and play very well. Yeah, uh, Coach, in 2018, you let your defensive coordinator go after the Texas game. Uh, which offers kind of an opportunity to look at a broader picture view and an opportunity to reflect. Biggest difference from where you were at that point and where you are now? Oh, I mean, I think we've improved throughout you know, the last few years. Uh, we've played, we've played, had some stretches of good ball in this game, you know, specifically. Um, I mean, I think the same old things. I mean, we've, you know, we feel like we've improved on the front. I feel like we've, you know, got a group that can go toe to toe with anybody in the country, but we got to go do it. You know, we were not our our front was not enough of a factor in Manhattan, not not near what it needs to be. Um, and uh, so we've got high expectations for that group. 
you know, and I, you know, I've got some guys that have been in this system for, for multiple years um, that are um, some guys playing at a high level. Some guys have, have had some moments this year that we need to be more consistent. Um, and we've got a group of young guys that I think are, you know, as talented as we've had that I think are going to continue to get more and more involved. So, you know, each year it's kind of its own thing, you know, and this is this is where we're at right now. Um, just really overall as a football team, defensively certainly there, but overall, you know, we've had our we've had some really really bright moments, but you know, bringing it all together and doing it more consistently is what we aim for. I mean, we we envision us when we are locked in and focused being a team kind of like the beginning of the third quarter against Kansas State where you take a game that was pretty tight and a heavy hitter in a tough road environment and before you blink we're up 17 and uh, that's 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 what we feel like we can be obviously the other team's going to fight back there's going to be challenges um, but we've got to continue to eliminate our mistakes and play to our standard and that's you know that's that is every day kind of what we set our sights on and we're improving there but obviously we want to you know we want to take some big steps here yeah, Lincoln. Um, Caleb got two two snaps this past week. How important was it for you guys to get him in a, a road environment, uh, being that you know he's a freshman, he hasn't really gotten to see or experience that type of. His games have been at home so far, yeah. leading into Texas. So, you know, in a just in case scenario, you know, heaven forbid type of deal. Sure. Yeah. First one didn't go quite as planned. Um, <laughs> second one was better. Um, so yeah, he did. He did fine. I mean, it was two snaps. You know, he, he uh, you know, didn't catch didn't catch the first one. And then, uh, but yeah, I think still had confidence to put him in mentally. He was, you know, he was fine. He didn't get rattled, which was which was good. Um, so no, I think it's good to to get in there and even just experience it a little bit. You know, kind of what it's like because the road, as, as we've always said, feels different. And this one, this one, this week has a, a, a feel of both a little bit. It's obviously a little unique too. But I'm, I have confidence in Caleb. Um, any point the time arises to, to to put him in, however it comes about, um, I have confidence that he'll play well. And, and sure, getting in that first road environment. I mean, everything the guy does right now is, is is helpful. Everything's a little new, and I mean, he's just he's soaking it in. He's he's eager. He's learning. He's improving. James Hale. You know, Lincoln. Texas thought they played better defensively last week. Uh, they they are you know they do some different things differently because of the new coaches and things. What are you seeing out of them defensively? What are they running and what are you running into Saturday? Yeah, they're doing a good job. You know they're doing a good job. They're uh, we've got a good front. You know some 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 really really big guys. A lot of strength on that front. Um, you know and they've done a done a really nice job there. Uh, I've played a couple of different linebackers through the years or through the year, but those guys are, are playing well. Zero's a really good player. Um, uh, secondary is a mixture of some guys that we've seen for a long time now. Feels like a few of them have been there for a long time. And then uh, a couple new faces there as well. But they're uh no, they're playing well. I mean, I think they're they're tackling well. They've had some big plays, they've caused some turnovers. That was, you know, the you know, maybe the number one thing that stood out in the TCU game was the turnovers that they caused and they were able to capitalize on. And uh, obviously that being so important. So um, uh, scheme-wise, they do a good job mixing it up. I mean, they really do. It's, uh, you know, first time kind of going against this group. And you can see um, a lot of really good things they do and why uh, Pete and the guys have been very successful over the years. What do you feel about your offensive line right now? I mean, your offense scored seven or nine times, and the offensive line probably had a lot to do with it, yep. but they also had some penalties, too. Yep. That kind of got you in yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say, other than the seven penalties we had on the offensive line, we played pretty good, but it's honestly the truth. I mean, that's the penalties were obviously the, the huge negative. You know, offensively, for the most part, we were able to overcome them, uh, but, we, you know, we can't put ourselves in those positions. And it, it I don't say it wasted, but it, it, kind of held back what could have been a really, really strong performance by the old line because it really was. Again, you take those away, it was good. But I mean that's, you know, great great groups don't have those. You know, we can we can play at a higher level. We can do it without the penalties. But we have an aggressive one here and there, we will. Um, but we, we got to do a much better job on penalties. But as far as, you know, between the whistles, the way we played, the physicality, guys doing their job. Uh, it was a much, much better effort against a, a good Kansas State group. So um, excited in a lot of ways. If we can clean up the penalties, continue to grow there, we'll, we'll get better and better and, and in turn get better offensively. Gary? 
know, Robinson, I think, had 35 carries Saturday. Yeah. That seems like a lot in this day and age. He's been having a heavy load. They've expressed concern. They, I think uh, Sarkeesian said we, we got to cut that out. As an opposing coach going into a game with a guy who's done that, how do you do you strategize for that? Do you think is that are you conscious of that? How do you how do you game plan for a guy who might carry has carried 35 times and might do it again? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think you got to got to be mentally prepared for it. I, we don't. You know, we can't totally control what they end up doing, who they decide to, to, to give it to or feature. Or do they try to carry him more? Or do they try to carry him less? But you obviously know that they'll, that they'll do it. You know, they'll put it in his hands 35 or 40 times. And, and you're right. It's uh, a, little, a little strange this day and age. You, you don't see that very often. Um, uh, you, know, guys getting, you know, guys getting that many touches, it's kind of a, it's kind of a little old school in a way. And, uh, but... He's done a good job handling it so far. And, you know, listen, I mean, whether he touches it 40 times or he touches it 20 times or whatever, you know, we, we've got to do a good job getting him on the ground that many times. I mean, that's, that's the key. He's, he's tough to handle. Um, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get other hats there because the first guy, you know, you're not always going to get him with the first guy. He's too elusive and strong. And so, uh, you know, I think the key is like any great back, man, you got to try to get him stopped before they get started. Uh, you know, not get that momentum up, and then, you know, you got to be, you got to play with extreme effort. And you got to be getting all the hats to the ball um, because, you know, the, the times that he does, we got to have somebody else there to make it happen. Conversely, Brooks and Gray have not had a big load. I think it's 15 and four Saturday, and Brooks hadn't carried nearly that much. Does freshness help them as we hit second week of October? Or yeah. Do they need. Are they better off if they get more of a rhythm? No, I mean, I th I'm, I'm glad they're fresh. I mean, it's some of that's been by design. Some of that's been kind of again, kind of going back to the possession deal. When you have eight possessions a game, ain't nobody going to touch it very often. So, I mean, it's uh, you know, we've had I've had one game in my career like that in all the years, um, and now we've had three in a row, which is still it's kind of crazy. That it's a it's a weird streak, and it won't happen forever. Probably won't happen on Saturday. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that's. I think I think there's a fine line, you know. We we certainly want to get both those guys the ball. We think they both do a lot of really good things. But you know, being fresh going into this game, especially with the intensity, the 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 weather, all those things, we're, we're glad we have two fresh, healthy backs right now. Joey Helmer, Ethan now seemed to be in the backfield quite a bit the other day. What kind of improvement jumps have you seen in his game so far this yeah, year? Yeah, getting more steady for us. I mean, he plays. He plays really, really hard all the time, you know, and we've learned that that's something with Ethan that we can count on. And I think he's, I think he's just getting more settled in. You know, he's not, he's not quite as wide-eyed anymore. You know, it's it's he's starting to kind of get a feel for what all this feels like. He's playing faster with less hesitation. Um, yeah, and he was definitely one of the bright spots for us on the front um, on Saturday. So I envision him learning more and more snaps, getting more and more confidence. But as a young guy, he's been been very impressive. Do you have an update on any of the defensive guys that have been banked up? Um, we hope to get some guys back, but I, I don't know if there's anything definitive I could give you right now. We've got a chance to, um, but you know we're going to have to be ready. If it's a unit that we had in Kansas State, then that's it. If we get some guys back, that's great. So a couple guys progressing, but not ready to make any definitive announcements yet. Eddie Radosevich. Alex was clearly pretty mad Saturday up in Manhattan. Do you make anything of his comments just regarding players not wanting to practice? Or I think it was the the direct quote was, "We believe in practice, but we have some players that don't." Is that a leadership issue? Is that what? What? How do you respond to that, or how do you uh, talk to a team about something? Like that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think our our standards here are, are so so high that when they're not met, uh, we're going to point them out, you know. And I think for us the. You know, specifically talking defensively. I mean, our expectations are to play at an elite level, and to do that, I think you got you have to constantly have an appreciation for how hard it is to play elite football. I mean, it's just even if you know the scheme and you're a talented player and you trained all summer and you did all the work and you've done this stunt or this pass coverage or this blitz a thousand times, if you don't prepare at an elite level the days of that week and then play at an elite level on Saturday, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. And it, it's, 
you have to do all those things leading up to it just to give yourself a chance. And then you have to put, I mean, you have to put everything out there throughout the week to get ready to play at the level we expect. And I mean, it's, it can be just a little bit off, but a little bit off shows up in against good opponents or big games or big moments. And so, um, you know, going back and look like, looking at it, did we prepare bad? Oh, I wouldn't say we prepared bad, but was it at the level that we expect defensively? No, it wasn't. Did we play awful? We did play awful, but did we play at the level we expect? Certainly not. So I think it's, I think it's just being real with our guys. If they do well, we're going to tell them they did well. If they didn't do well or if it wasn't up to our standard, you know, we believe in being very upfront and, and blunt and honest with our guys. And I think that's an example of Coach Grinch doing that with our defensive players. Is it frustration that it's the sixth week and you're having to talk about something like that, but at the same time you are five enough? Well, I mean, yeah, because frustration, again, because your expectations are so, I mean, are as high as they could be. I mean, I've never had a team that perfect weeks of practice for 12, 13, 14, 15 weeks. I mean, the reality is the best teams do it more often than not. Does anybody do it all the time? Probably not. Uh, but again, you're chasing something that's out there that you think you're capable of, and it's difficult to get to. And so the hope, the hope is our guys have played well. We didn't play nearly as well at, in Manhattan defensively as we wanted to. Uh, the hope is, is that we see this, we understand it. You know, lights a, a good fire under us is a great reminder, and we do a, a much better job of that the rest of the way through. Um, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't really think the SEC has a, a, a whole lot of impact on this game. You know, that'll, that'll happen when it happens. I mean, this game, I don't know that you could add any more intensity or, you know, importance to this game. I mean, it's honestly in some ways maybe, maybe at times overblown. It, it's definitely not undersold, let's put it that way, by anybody on either side. It's an important game. We all love it. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, this week is a great week. You know, this game's going to be over at some point, um, and both teams are going to have to move on. And so it'll be a great game. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, you look forward to it, but there's a whole lot of season left for both teams when this thing's over. And, you know, we've had, and we've been on both sides of it. You know, we've had a, a good run as of late. You know, the one time in recent years that we didn't win this game, uh, we went to the playoffs. You know, we've had other times where we've won it, you know, maybe not played as well after. I mean, it's so it's 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 big in the moment. It's obviously big this week. Um, we're crazy excited to play it, but long, long way left to go in the season. Hey, last one, Chandler Engelbrecht. Hey, Lincoln, I wanted to circle back to Casey Thompson. Uh, obviously, he ended last season with a pretty good performance in the Alamo Bowl win for them, but yet he lost the quarterback battle going into this season. Knowing him as well as you do, were you surprised by that? Surprised by what part? Surprised by him losing the quarterback battle. Man, I had no idea. I mean, I not at their practices, you know, not as – I mean, I know who their other quarterback is, but not as familiar as I am with him um, or as I am with Casey. So, I mean, hard for me to say. It's – I can't speak to how it's went, but I think, you know, him playing well in the bowl game, in fact, he's playing well like – you know, like we said, I, I don't think that's any surprise. The kid's a good player. He's a competitor. Comes from a, a football family. Uh, so to see him hang in there you know, and, and do a good job with his opportunities, not surprising me. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate. Proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.